1: Everyone's favorite time of the year is right around the corner, college football season. To celebrate DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly if you bet $1 or more on any college football game. Take advantage of this limited offer now. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game. That's where Code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly. For a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. It must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem. Call 1 800 Gambler or in Indiana 1 800 WITH IT. The twenty first edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. Black holding high goes to Darty. Darty
0: and the double team gives it back to Black with twenty seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good. Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front towards Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical out of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline. Hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams' front court. Williams on the drive, gets it back out to him. Long outside shot, short rebound, May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions.
1: Matthews
0: off the mark,
1: and this year
0: the confetti. It's going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Today, me and Anthony are going to try to find the best team that was coached by Roy Williams that did not win the national championship. We've got four teams that we're going to go through kind of like when we did the teams that oh. the best team that didn't that did win one. Got resumes for all four teams. Thing Themes that these teams had in common. And I think that, I think it'll be a very fun and interesting discussion for you guys. And then we got some other Tar Heel news and notes to get to at the conclusion of this episode. But before we do all that, we'll start with the pod thought of the day. We go back to legendary coach Dean Smith, who once said, The effort is the big thing. If we play hard the best I think we can and still lose. Then I have to be pleased regardless of the outcome. I think that quote really shows you the wisdom and the maturity that Dean Smith had that I don't have because I don't think I've ever watched us lose a game and thought that we played the best that we could and was still happy with the result of a loss.
0: I'm going to be honest with you. I think that's one of those things where he said that. I don't really think that there was ever a loss that he came out of believing that maybe may, maybe a day in practice, you know, in the summer, maybe you think that. Well, you know, we we not never a great day today. We'll just have to reset, get ready for tomorrow. When it comes to games, yeah, I don't think there's gonna be a day where you're gonna say to yourself, you know, we put in the best effort, but we still lost. Now, normally, you're gonna say to yourself, there's got to be something that I could have done better. So, I really don't. I feel like that's one of those quotes that was said at a time. But he probably, in, in in his mind, I don't think that that was something that he ended up telling himself too often after losses.
1: There have been a lot of years where Carolina wasn't good enough to win an ACC or make the Sweet Sixteen of the NCAA tournament. Like, oh, you mean these last two, years? last few years? But and I could sit there and say, you know, I just wanted to play well, live the results. But I never meant that. I how many times did I say last year? I don't care if you got to win ugly, if you got to win games in different ways. I want the team to win. But, you know, that is that's why he's a legendary head coach and I'm just a average podcast host. So the main thing is we're going to look at teams that that still lost but ultimately still accomplished a lot of great things in their in their regular seasons. We start with 2007 2008, the team that fell short of the national championship before the Revenge Tour of 2009. That team, 36-3, and ACC regular season and ACC tournament champions, averaged 88.6 points per game, second in the country. Four players averaged double figures in scoring, led by Tyler Hansborough, 22.6 points, 10.2 rebounds. That was the course of the year he was the Naismith Player of the Year. Their longest win streak was 18 games, 4-2 and two against top 25 teams, and despite losing in the Final Four, they did finish the season ranked first in the AP poll. We move on to 2011-2012, the team that we most frequently remember as the probably, if Kendall Marshall doesn't get hurt, they won a national championship. That team, 32-6 and six in the ACC, uh, or went 32-6, and six, was ACC regular season champions averaged 81.3 points per game. That was third in the country. Only three players averaged double-figure scoring, led by Harrison Barnes, 17.1 points per game. Their longest win streak that season, nine nine games. They did it two separate times. Five and four against AP Top 25 teams. We move on to 2015-16. That team preceded the 2017 National Championship squad. 33-7. and seven. ACC regular season and tournament champions. Excuse me, they averaged 82.8 points per game. That was tenth in the country. Four players averaged double figure scoring. Bryce led by Bryce Johnson, who averaged a double double at 17 points, 10.4 rebounds. Their longest win streak: 12 games. And also had a separate 10 game winning streak, six and four against top 25 teams. But then I threw in there 2018 and 19. 29 and 7, ACC regular season champions, averaged 85.8 points per game, which was third in the country of that year. Three players averaged double figures in scoring, led by Cam Johnson, 16.9 points per game. Their longest win streak, eight games. They were eight and six against top 25 teams. 16 ACC regular season wins, the most in program history. Let's take a look at some of the the things these teams had in common. All four teams were number one seeds in the NCAA Tournament. 2008 and 2016 both won the ACC regular season and the ACC Tournament. 2008, 12, and 16 all lost at home to Duke while winning in Cameron Indoor Stadium. 2008 and 2012, they both lost to Kansas in the NCAA Tournament. (laughs) Oh, God. Only 2019 lost their ACC Big Ten Challenge game. That was a blowout loss to Michigan. And 2008 and 2016 both lost their final four games in the state of Texas. Dude, I love this deep dive that you do on these teams, man. This is some
0: hard-hitting, factual evidence here that will definitely be taken into account
1: when breaking down my team's. Sports Reference does a really great job of giving oh, great you, stats.
0: Oh, come on. Oh, oh, you shouldn't have even said that. Oh, oh god.
1: They do a great oh, job. I of thought doing. you did all the digging on this. I oh. mean, I had to go dig, but I mean, they made it easy to find the information that I wanted to find. Oh, okay. No, so you still
0: had to track these down. You had to look on the schedules and determine yourself. Oh, I thought there was like a statistics area that had these random stats, and no. you were just copying them down.
1: No. Oh, okay. Well, I that makes me feel a little bit better. Some in- investigative uh, Oh, Okay. Good job. Good job. Good prep. The biggest thing I took away when I was laying these these teams out, and first off, do you agree with 2018-19 being on this list because they did lose in the Sweet 16, but I thought. 16 ACC regular season wins, the most in the history of the program, and then as you were mentioning in pre-production, they played 14 ranked games that year, and they were 8-6. That's, I mean, that that's the
0: stat that just blows me away. I mean, you play, I mean, you, yeah, you were 8-6, and six, but like, I mean, you gotta think about that. Like, I'm literally, I sound like a robot over here. You, almost half of your schedule we're, ranked, were games. ranked games in a season. Like, look, I know you play a tough schedule year in and year out. That's usually a given with Carolina. That was nuts for a team that had a, a starting point guard that was a freshman. Most people didn't think was going to be as good as he turned out to be. Yeah. And... I mean, to me, I think, I mean, first of all, that gives that, that gives me a lot more respect for Kobe White. I mean, man, this dude did this through a gauntlet and became this type of player. Uh, no, I'd agree that they were on there because the main thing is, is you look at that game against Auburn. That was a game, I mean, you lost by 17. But, I mean, heading in, you felt like, one, you felt like that was a tough matchup for Carolina. You didn't like that matchup at all. That team also, unless I'm just thinking... Of the wrong year. That's the team that went to the Final Four, right? Yeah. Yeah. So my thing is, is if you win that game, you're probably the team that's in the Final Four.
1: Like, you're the one seed. They would have played Kentucky in the East Final. You're talking about having— South Final. Yeah, but I mean, look,
0: I think they would have beaten that Kentucky team. Maybe. You're, You're talking about a team that had one of the best pure scoring point guards that Carolina's ever
1: had. I was just wanting to make sure and you, you weren't agreeing that they deserve yeah, to be on I, the list. I would,
0: I would put them on there.
1: Um, now I mean, because you know we only had, of course, we only had three teams that won a national championship. So I was, I was trying to. No,
0: I mean, I think it's, I think it's legitimate.
1: I, I think that they certainly had a
0: case coming in. I mean, look, they were one seed for a reason. That team was legitimately a very good basketball team. They won sixteen regular season conference games in the ACC. Yeah. And I mean, I I don't have their schedule, or actually, no, I do have their schedule. Do I have their schedule? No, I have their roster right in front of me. How about their schedule? How many of these ranked games came in conference? Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven of those ranked games came in conference. So, I mean, half the games that you play, which first of all, what a brutal non-conference schedule that is right there. Yeah. Um, but oh no, I guess they're oh you're counting you're counting the game against oh you're counting the games against Auburn and Duke. Those also. are those are still ranked matchups. Right. Right. Okay. So, but okay. So then you take those two out because they were in tournaments. That means seven of the twelve that you played in the regular season were in the ACC, and you and you went sixteen and two. Yep. Like. That's yeah, no, and and one of dude, one of the losses was to an unranked Louisville team. So you went six and one against the ranked opponents inside of the ACC that year, a year where the ACC was very very good. Like that Louisville. That's probably
1: the best the ACC has been in the modern version of the conference since you've added Syracuse, Pittsburgh, Louisville, and Notre Dame.
0: Yeah, you're talking about on the schedule. Carolina faced a ranked NC State team. A ranked Louisville team. Now, they the, what, when they lost to them originally, they were unranked. Later in the season, were ranked. A ranked Virginia Tech team who, at the time, got all the way up to 10th yep. in the country. And then Virginia, Duke, normal customers. And Florida that was State. when Florida State really started to get themselves into that conversation as a consistent threat in the ACC. So... You are facing a really good ACC. No, no doubt in my mind. They deserve to be in the conversation now. Or do they have the best case of this group? In my opinion, no. But I, they they definitely deserve to be talked about here.
1: You know, we've always thought, and I've even believed it since it happened, that that 2011 team was as and was always believed to be the best team that didn't win the national championship. And you could always make the argument that that might have been Roy Williams's best individual team, but when I started digging, and it's really hard to nitpick a, a team that went thirty-two and six, won the ACC regular season. I don't know if that's the case anymore. Um, you only had three fl- three players average double figures in scoring. That really caught me by surprise. Now, granted, that was a really deep team, but I thought that number would be higher. Their longest win streak was only nine games. Now, granted, they did it two separate times, so that get that those those wins add up. But and then only five and four against AP top twenty-five teams. To couple that with losses on a neutral court to uh UNLV in Las Vegas. Um, you got blown out by thirty-three at Florida State. Um I was really surprised when I was really going back through and looking at that Carolina team that that might have that might be the team that underachieved the most in all reality, um, even though they won an ACC regular season title and made the Elite Eight. Yeah,
0: wait, wait. Which team is that of the of the of the ones? Eleven and twelve. Okay. No, I was making sure that you were still talking. I, I mean, oh man. I... That team is so hard to quantify because they were not a great scoring team. That that was not their forte. That, that I mean, Kendall Marshall was a guy who didn't want to speed up the pace quite as much as you were used to with Ty Lawson and even you know Marcus Page, who came after him, and, and Joel Berry. But, the, I mean, they were a tremendous defensive team. And my thing is, is like... I don't know, man. Like, it's hard to really say they were underachievers just because, I mean, you lose your – I see, it's hard to say if he's your best player on – I would. I don't know if he was your best player. He's your most important player. He was player. your most important player on that team. No no doubt in my mind he was your most important player. So I – The day that – You're talking that- about Stillman White coming in. And look, man, like we joke all the time, you, and people can say whatever they want. The fact that Stillman White, the first game action that he ever saw at Carolina was having to start a tournament game against a team in Ohio that was legitimate. Like people will say, well, you know, they almost lost to Ohio. Okay. But that Ohio team was there there was a reason that team was in the Sweet 16. And he, I mean, he did the best. He didn't have a great game there. Played pretty well against Kansas. But you, you would think in your mind, with, with how close the – fat I mean, they would have beaten Ohio, I think, by more than they did. No doubt in my mind. I think they would have beaten Kansas. And my thing is, is if you get into the Final Four, I feel like – I mean, who, who would they have matched up with in that final? Do we know that one?
1: Ohio State.
0: Ohio State. I, I, I probably would have taken them over Ohio State. I, I think that you match up. I mean, it really. I, I would just take that coaching wise. I would take Roy Williams' experience in that in in the Final Four over who would have been their coach. Dad, Mata. Dad, Mata, That's what I thought. Um, and then, I mean, we've talked about this multiple times. You get to the final. I know that Kentucky team was really, really good, but my thing about it is, is that again, we know how those Kentucky teams are built. They are very, very young. They would be going up against probably one of the more experienced Carolina teams that they've had. I, it I, it would be tough. I, I mean, look, I think Carolina, is there a chance that they could have gotten there and lost? Definitely. That Kentucky team was, was real. I mean, they were led by Anthony Davis. That team was really, really good. But I think that they, they, the fact that they made the elite eight and gave Kansas as good of a game as they did with a walk-on point guard, I think is, I think it's phenomenal. I, I don't, I, I would have a hard time saying that that was an under underachieving season.
1: I've said often that the 2015-16 team is my all-time favorite team, and going back and looking at what they did that year, it was kind of kind of a trip down memory lane because that was a team that was really really good um and the, and the numbers showed it you know they they were deep i you know we we got so enamored with Marcus Page and Bryce Johnson how much they embodied Carolina on the court and more importantly off the court but there were so many other pieces to that team that team that made that run to the to the national championship game they were dominant with certain stretches to multiple double digit win streaks they held their own against top 25 teams of 6 and 4 record they could score the ball at a pretty good at 82.8 points per game but that 2007 2018 was that that team was just sensational 36 and 3 in the modern era of college basketball they averaged roughly 90 points per game in their sleep. That was the best version of Tyler Hansborough we ever saw in college. 22 points, 10 rebounds. They won 18 straight games. Only 4-2 and two against top 25 teams because the ACC wasn't, hadn't expanded yet. It was really Carolina-Duke, State some years, and some other schools would have a good year every now and again. But that team was dominant, just as dominant as, in their own right, as a, as a 2019, which ultimately cut down the nets and won a national championship. I mean, you could argue that team was almost deeper because remember the
0: piece that was lacking with the 0-9 team that some people were concerned about to start the year was that they lost Marcus Ginyard. He was on that roster. Uh, you had Alex Stevenson, who played a more a, a much bigger role that year than he did pretty much any other year that he was on campus. I mean, yeah, that. That, that one's definitely pretty hard to top. I think the main thing with the 15-16 team is, is there's an element of just sheer want-to out of that team. And, and, I mean, look, all the other teams definitely had a want-to factor to them. But you were led by one of the most emotionally charged players probably in Carolina history in Bryce Johnson. And, I mean, he was that that was his best year. You talk about the best Tyler Hansborough that we saw. That was the best Bryce Johnson that we saw. And it wasn't even close. Um no doubt. But I I mean there there it's strange because I mean they had I mean you had Joel Berry who, you know, played well but played better the next year. You had Justin Jackson who played well but played better the next year. And you had Marcus Page who played well but I think a lot of people coming into the year thought that he was going to be even better
1: than he was. I thought so. And remember, early in the year, he was not playing good basketball. Well, you got to remember, he didn't play the first seven games that season. Right. He showed up against Maryland, first game of the year, scored 20 points, and led the team to a number win over the number two team in the country. So, that team was just deep. Like, that was a legitimately deep team that was, and I, I think you make a good point, They were bought in from day one. Remember, that team was preseason ranked number one in the country after the previous year losing in the Sweet 16, but still came back, returned everybody, added a piece or two, and all of a sudden the expectation was you win a national championship or bust almost. And they were a buzzer beater shot away from almost doing that.
0: Yeah, and and I mean – Yeah, and there were multiple times though that year that I think you kind of thought to yourself, like, "Man, this team is good, but are they
1: national championship good?" You had those moments. I never wavered from that. And look, they had some losses that didn't look great. They lost to Northern Iowa on the road without Marcus Page. They lost at home to Duke, where they couldn't get off a shot in the last couple seconds with a Duke team that was a good Duke team, but not a Duke team that. We've grown up that we grew up seeing that was going to be a legitimate uh, national title contender. They lost to Virginia in a game that um, they didn't look great in. But I always thought, as much as any team, Roy Woods was preparing that team for March and April, and that's what it ultimately built to because they won the ACC tournament. Which, you know, if y'all listen to this podcast and you know me personally, I don't value winning that ACC tournament at all. But I thought that team needed to. They beat Virginia in the final in Washington D.C. So a almost a 50-50 crowd because there was a lot of Virginia fans in the stands that set the stage for a run to the Final Four and the national title game. Well, yeah, that was the key for that team, and I
0: mean, just trying to place yourself back into the shoot. I don't. I mean, again, the record was pretty good for that team, but it was just something about the way that. They were playing in a lot of the games throughout the ACC season that just gave some people, I think, a little feeling of uneasiness. You know, Marcus Page had his moments where he was up and down shooting wise. And I think that was where some people's concerns came from. But then, like, I mean, as as you mentioned, then they go on that run through the ACC tournament. um, And I think the thing was, is like, you know, the game against Pittsburgh was, was expected. Then you go and play Notre Dame, a team that had beaten you earlier in the season. Everybody's telling you, I mean, remember, the guy that everybody will probably remember, Zach August from that team, had really destroyed Carolina in that game in the regular season. Coming into that game, pretty much most people thought, okay, we could be in some trouble again that didn't happen. Carolina had no problem. I mean, they absolutely destroyed that Notre Dame team. And then they turned around and faced a Virginia team which as you mentioned, don't don't understand how this was actually possible. This was one of the few years where you only played Virginia once. Now, yep. that doesn't seem possible. But as you mentioned, didn't look great there. Lost that game on the road to a team at the time like I think there was still a factor of do we believe in Virginia? Are they really this good? And then they come around in that game, another game where they were not expected to win. Most people thought, okay, they've gotten this far. They're going to fall to Virginia. Virginia is going to be the one seed out of the ACC. Carolina will be a two seed And they'll have to try to find their way back through Probably face a much tougher bracket They win that game Um, And then, I mean, the thing that was so fun About that team was You get the matchup against Florida Gulf Coast You struggle in that game There was was the element of people saying Before that tournament Well, you know, we've seen what Florida Gulf Coast has done before Carolina could be in some trouble here And then at halftime You know, for Toriel fans unnerving for everybody else around the country. I told you this was going to be the upset. And then you go into a game against Providence. Well Providence is a tough team. They've got uh, Ben Bentle was on that team. Um I forget who the other Chris was, Dunn was, was on that, that team. Chris Dunn's team on that yeah those two guys. Okay, well Carolina's gonna struggle in that game. Then the game against Indiana. Well is Marcus Page going to be able to beat out Yogi Farrell? Well this is the best Indiana team we've seen in how long? We want Indiana to be good Carolina wins that game, and you just started to see it pile up. Of course, after that, another matchup with Notre Dame, which you're sitting there saying, come on, man, really? we got to face this team again? Um, I I mean, it was just everything about that year. Every time that they're – because, you know, even the rest of the games, Notre Dame, people thought they could lose that game. Syracuse, people thought, well, this team is destined. Look at the run that they've been on. Can Carolina survive them? And then, of course, the national championship game where you – I mean, were
1: were they considered the favorite going in? Yes, yes. They were favored to win. The, The thing about, I think, why I loved that team the most was, you want to talk about a team that was mentally tough? I thought that team was mentally tough. They knew how to build to climb out of the holes they built themselves in. And that was a team that Roy Williams was adamant, not going to call timeouts. You're going to do dumb stuff. You're going to figure it out on yourself because you put yourself in that situation. And they did. Time and time again, they were doubted by Carolina fans. They were doubted by the media, the national media, and the NCAA tournament. And until that kid made a shot from 30 feet away, They had answered the call every single time. But for me, I think it's hard to not say the 2007-2018 wasn't the best. You won 36 games. Still playing as a tough non-conference schedule as you could play. Still playing in the ACC, which at the time the ACC wasn't as deep in terms of the amount of teams it has now. But you could argue the talent was just as good back then. Virginia Tech was a team that... Gave you fits. Um, Wake Forest at the time was still relatively decent. Georgia Tech, relatively decent. Duke was Duke. Clemson was really, really good under Oliver Purnell. State was not bad uh, under Sidney Lowe. And they just, they they demolished. They demolished people. <laughs> um, they went on the road and won at Ohio State. They went on the road and won at Kentucky. Um, they could go anywhere, anytime. That was a team that you name a place, a location, you threw the ball up in the air. They were going to beat you up until they ran into the jigsaw of Kansas. And everyone, I, th- I think a lot of people forget. Were they down forty to twelve? They were, but they also came all the way back. And then got then then got shisted by the refs. It was fifty six to fifty four. If I'm remembering the sequence correctly. Danny Green took a three that, if it drops, Carolina takes the lead. It literally went ninety nine point nine percent in the cylinder. It pops out, and it's like everything in that they built for, that they they built toward to get back in that moment. The second that shot missed, it all went away, and Kansas went on to beat Carolina. Of course, two nights later, they won the national championship over Memphis. The best part about all of that. And this was, this was the first team I watched from the beginning of the season until that loss to Kansas. So, yes, that Kansas loss was the first time I cried over a loss. I cried. Was Remember the whole media that Roy Williams didn't want to beat Kansas? And they were trying to make – they were selling Torheel uh, fans on the fact that – They purposely lost the game because he didn't want to beat the former team he coached for Uh, for 15 years. That was a legitimate thing.
0: Yeah, oh, no doubt. No doubt that that was was a narrative with this when, in reality, you looked at the situation and you should have said to yourself, uh, we got four one-seeds here. This is probably one of the greatest Final Fours that you will ever see. Um, I mean, look... You go back and look now, I mean, clearly if you're just going off of NBA guys on the roster, you wouldn't think it was that great. But, I mean, remember the teams on the other side, man. You had Memphis led by Derrick Rose. You had UCLA with Kevin Love and Russell Westbrook. Um, You know, this Kansas team, which, again, I mean, a lot of college stars like Darrell Arthur. Brandon Rush, you had Mario Chalmers Who went on and did some things in the NBA But that was just one of those Really I mean, that, that team that team Was probably one of the few That could compete with Carolina In terms of the depth And you felt like go, you, Going into that game, that was a game Where you felt like the Matchups, you, honestly on both sides You felt like the matchups in those final four Games were tremendous
1: Oh yeah, that was a great. I mean, on paper, that was probably the best Final Four we've ever had.
0: Yeah, I mean, you would have to go back and look at some of the ones way back, which even then you probably got better ones because the tournament field was smaller. But I mean, yes, you're you're talking about a legendary Final Four, and yeah, I mean, it, it was the fact that they were able to fight back into that game. I think was just was just amazing because that was one of those games where. I mean yeah you could have just rolled it over especially a lot of those guys that were on the floor they could have just rolled over and said you know what like it's Tyler Hansborough Danny Green Ty Lawson, they could have just said what do we care we're going to the NBA I mean you know yeah we we got here it's great but I think that that's one of the games that kind of shows what Carolina basketball is is about it's like some teams would say well you know what we made it this far we're going to the NBA who really cares let's mail it in We'll see you. You know, you guys. Good luck next year. We're out. Um, or if they were even saying like, look, we got beat down. We're gonna come back. Most teams would have said, look, this deficit's way too much to overcome. But they fought their way back into that game, and I mean that—that's one of those games where there, there are very few that I complain about the officiating. That's that's one of the worst officiated games I've ever seen in my entire life. Carolina got all the way back into the game. And then the referees pretty much took them out of the game down the stretch. It it made made no sense to me at all. Um but you know, it's one that you look back on and yeah, I mean I, I would say if you look at these four teams, man, that that's probably the best one. Um but I I mean they're I, I think look, eighteen and ni- eighteen nineteen was a great team. I, I think that the element that they had that a lot of these other teams did not have is probably the fact that you had one of the best three point shooters in in ACC history oh god no doubt i mean he that that season from Cam johnson was unbelievable but i don't know if it matches up with these other three the other three all have certain elements for 0708 is just the talent the sheer talent the amount of depth that that team had it's honestly it's it's basically and that's what's so impressive about how they were able to return all those it is pretty much the O9 team just I would be Re- incarnated without Marcus Ginyard and some other guys that had played bigger roles I'd make an argument that's the best team Roy Williams ever
1: had at Carolina Yeah that team that, that team was low. I think that team I mean, could have beaten the O9 national title team I think they could have beaten the O5 national title team and if they can beat O9 and O5 then they can beat 17 Well I mean I don't know.
0: The ele- See, there's so many elements to that because, like, you would say based on talent, yes, they would beat that 0-9 team. But, but the 0-9 team would have, if, if you know, you're going off history, the 0-9 team has the, you know, fact that they lost, that extra motivation that they lost that carried them up. I, I don't, yeah, based on pure talent, like, I'm going to be honest. If they played in that national championship game against Michigan State, that team would have won by twenty five. Like I know they dominated that 09 team, dominated that team. I think, I think the 07-08 team, just based on talent, uh, they made a they, they they would have made Goran Suton uh, look like he would. You know, they would have put him on his futon earlier. Stop.
1: <laughs> I think that 07-08 team, if Brandon Wrights would have stayed for his sophomore year. Because he left after the freshman year, 2006-2007. I think if he stays, I think Carolina for sure. That might have been the best team in NCAA. For sure wins the national championship. And you could see a scenario where they would have went undefeated.
0: Yeah, yeah. That team, God, that team would have been loaded. The thing about 11-12, though, that's interesting is that team is probably – I mean in my mind that's Roy Williams best defensive team ever. Well, and I don't think it's close. They that were team also was dominant. The, I mean mainly like here's the thing. Like if you're doing cuz we we did it in the last edition, if you're putting those guys on a court, those teams against each other, I, look, I know Tyler Hansborough Hansborough was a great player. He he would still have a lot of success. John Henson would give him fits, man, because he was just so long and athletic. He is a. I mean, they've had other guys that can protect the rim since then. They haven't had John Henson since that since he left. That that hasn't been there.
1: More importantly, the thing that made that team so much better than a lot of other teams. I didn't win the national championship, and were they they're better than all these other teams in this area? Is that they could beat you in the half court. And the one thing that Carolina has lacked in and, and these teams that didn't win the national championship 08, and really 1916, 16 could beat you in the half court a little bit. That 2012 team was a half court team. For some reason, as good as Kendall Marshall was at passing the ball ahead, they played in the half court more often than not. He was better passing in the half court. But they could beat you that way. To be way. honest. Oh, and man. what's the one thing I always harp about on this program, when it was coached under Roy Williams, is that if they could just be average in the half court, because there aren't many teams in the country that can still run with Carolina. If they can just be average in the half court, it makes them so much better. And that team exemplified that. That team didn't have to run because you could slow the game down. And they still found a way to beat you, but that 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 the two thousand two that that oh eight team, I think just just too much offensive firepower, a lot of depth. So for me, that's the best team that Roy Williams coached that didn't win the national championship.
0: Yep. Yeah, I mean, I would probably have to agree. I mean, the, the other thing, and we talked about it with fifteen sixteen, is, is you just have the element of, of of want to. You you had. uh you know, two, two senior leaders that simply just were not going to lose. And this is this is the thing that we didn't mention in there that I think is really key of what goes into why they were so motivated. Remember that they were... That was the group that had to suffer the most from the NCAA backlash. That was the team that hurt it the most. That was the team that was told multiple times, well, you're going to have banners taken down on Never your Never going to
1: play in the NCAA tournament. None of that. And... It felt like
0: those guys, primarily Bryce Johnson, really took that to heart late in his career. They, I, I believe, if I remember correctly, wasn't he told by multiple people you shouldn't – don't go there? That's not going to be the best situation for you? And, I mean, he – and look, first few years of his career didn't look like that it was that, – yep. that was the best situation for him because he – didn't turn out to be the player that some thought but he took it personal that senior year and just went off and I mean I think that would be that would be the only other element but yeah I, I would say I'd have to agree with you just based on talent and depth that that one was definitely up there but I mean look I think for sure I think that 7 708 11 12 and 15 sixteen. All had a chance to win the national championship and probably deserve to be the favorites going yeah on. um eighteen nineteen i don't that man that game against Virginia would have been tough man when yeah. that, I, I that's the only thing that I would question is is that matchup with that virginia team but other than that i, I don't i don't think they're I, I don't think anybody else would have stood in there. I would not have been afraid of Texas Tech.
1: i I'm wouldn't. Sorry. Have been either.
0: I wouldn't have been afraid of that
1: team. And Kentucky, I think Carolina was more than capable. Remember, they lost to Kentucky in the regular season, a lot like the 17 team did. Roy Williams would have made the right adjustments, and there would have been a, a, a scenario where they made the Final Four. It wouldn't have been surprised. Real quick before we move on. Is the 2007-2018 the best team during our time that hasn't won the national championship. And I wrote down these oh, squads. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Uh, and, I, and I didn't put this in there because we we technically didn't, weren't watching to see it. So the teams that I wrote that we were able to live to see, 2008 Memphis, who, of course, lost to Kansas, 2015 <laughs> Kentucky, and then this past 2021 Gonzaga. You factor in 2005 Illinois because we beat them to one national championship. We know a lot about that Illinois team. We just didn't get to see them. Yeah, I mean, I would say I would say no. I, I I still think that 2015 Kentucky team is the best college basketball team that I've seen that didn't win a national championship. Ah, because they yeah, they mean, had they they literally platoon dudes. They had two starting fives. Yeah, that, and they that were the team, best defensive team I've ever seen. With that's the, first, the only with a bunch one that I would debate. I mean, look, 08 oh, oh Memphis was good. I feel like that was in Derrick Rose was great and Chris Douglas Roberts was also great and they were coached Rob, by John R- Calipari. Ro-
0: Robert Dozier was on that roster too, I believe. Might have, I have been another NBA guy. So, I, yeah, I mean, I
1: think they entered the Final Four with one loss. Oh, I mean, look, they were they were really, which was to really, number two really Tennessee, but, I think, earlier in the season. Yeah, I mean, again,
0: th- that's going to get into the conversation of well. Similar to w- what we heard for many years about Gonzaga, well, they don't play nobody. They didn't play a great conference, but uh, yeah, I mean that team. Uh, they deserve to be in the conversation. Um, t- 2021 Gonzaga. Now, I don't think they stack up with with that 0708 team. I, I think that 0708 team would beat that. So do team. I. Mainly, ba- mainly. I, 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 <sighs> I think just based on the depth, that that was one of the big problems with that Gonzaga team. There just wasn't a ton of depth on that team. And I, I think, first of all, man, I think they would, Tyler Hansborough would destroy that team inside. They would not have the big men to play with him. It'd be more of can Gonzaga space them out and would their point guard be superior to Ty Lawson? Um, so yeah, yeah, I'd probably agree with you on that. I'd probably agree with you. that fifteen Kentucky's probably ahead of them, but I mean, it'd be it'd be it'd be pretty dang close because you're talking about an 7 08 team that we think could be the best in Tar Heel program history under Roy Williams. I don't know that ooh, that would be that'd be really and and at that rate, then you got to think that's probably. That's got to be what top three of teams in program history yeah. then. So, I, yeah, it'd be it it'd be close, but yeah, I'd probably still lean Kentucky because that team, like you said that that team was basically a junior NBA team yeah. out there on the court.
1: So we're gonna. thus wraps up our discussion on the best team that did not win a national championship. We're both in agreement. That it was a 2007-2008 Tar Heels. Some other notes before we do get out of here: Danny Green got married over the weekend, and the big thing about this was the Carolina basketball family. A lot of people were down for the wedding, and if you haven't seen, there's a great video of Tyler Hansborough jumping in a pool, well, fully clothed, but has someone hold his alcoholic beverage before he does. In fact, that's key. Take a dive into the pool, but really, apparently
0: good. it was supposed to somewhat mirror the jump off of one of the buildings on uh, LDOC, his final year on campus, which, strangely enough, there are no videos. I'm assuming that the basketball team went around and said, if you have any videos, please delete those. We do not want Coach Williams seeing that.
1: So congratulations to Danny Green. Roy Williams, he might be retired, but he made it known last week when people showed up to the interview after he was golfing that he is still very involved with Carolina basketball, mainly on the recruiting front has helped. Hubert Davis with some recruiting pitches, has helped Mac Brown with some recruiting pitches. He has moved out of his office, but he does have another office in the Dean E. Smith Center. And he said, you know, he's struggling with still wanting to be involved, but not wanting to be too much of a presence in the program. Think he knows the door's always open. We're never gonna tell you to leave. Um, but it is good to see Roy Williams enjoying retirement. Dude, this guy does more press conferences off of the green than Brooks Kepka. Like, this is unbelievable. It's, Every time that he is golf, They get a whiff that he's golfing. They show up to ask him questions. And it's it,
0: this is the best part about it. It's not one reporter. There's literally, like, a whole bunch of different reporters that have their phones and their recorders. I'm like, how, for how do you find – do you just call up these country clubs and ask, uh, excuse me, is Roy Williams playing today by any chance?
1: Like, um, yeah, It's, <laughs> it's unreal, man. Lastly, lastly, Justin Pierce. He is signed with a German club, the Kirchheim Knights. Well, you know what, Justin,
0: I would like to congratulate you. My co-host, probably not. (laughs) He's
1: not really your biggest fan. But is uh, that is that more significant than being called a wounded duck? I would still say what no. Signing, yeah, I still think that's one of the greatest insults in the history of insults. That was brutal. That that was brutal. I, Justin,
0: I am happy for you, Josh. Not so much, but congratulations. Um,
1: this, I mean, this was based off of where where did, was he playing before that he he's was playing been. Very well. I think he was in London at, at one point. I know Christian Keeling's been over in London. I think he might have spent some time in Spain. He's been around a little bit. But, you know, I think he is finding out, he's he, hopefully he has found an overseas home. Hey, man. Professional basketball is professional basketball. You're being you're you're being paid to play the game you love, so congratulations. Anyway, that is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. Before we let you go, get you guys over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. We are Less than three weeks away from the college football season. We are getting you ready for the upcoming season with uh, podcasts. Last time we, we recorded Bold Predictions. I've got a really bold one. going to tick off a lot of Carolina fans. But on the block well, side still of things, we you. are uh, getting ready for football season with position previews. we got some recruiting stuff up there as Mac Brown's trying to land some more talent. Basketball side of things, a little quiet right now, still waiting on that ACC schedule to come out. Um, so, as you can imagine, three us away from football season. We are getting ready for the upcoming football season for the Tar Heels. So get over the ones at HeelToughBlog.com. Lastly, we want to encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can find us everywhere, Megaphone, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, um, Google Podcasts. Give us a like, review us as the host. Well, we want you guys to subscribe. That way you get every podcast right there in your podcast library. Well, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, go Tar Heels.